This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're playing Find and Replace in episode number 115. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, y'all. It's Kristen. I'm coming back again. I know from a long hiatus It is my sincere hope that this will be the last long hiatus. In fact, I had actually planned podcast episodes uh, for the last several weeks and just haven't gotten them done, so I might try and sneak an extra episode in here and there because I have so many episodes planned out that I I need, and I really want to do them all because a lot of them were because of listener and subscriber requests. Again... I am apologizing for for a long hiatus. I do have exciting news, maybe an exciting excuse for part of the reason why I didn't get the podcast done, but I am pregnant, so we are expecting baby number eight, and I've just been tired and unmotivated. I also flew to visit my parents a few weeks ago, um, and that was a good visit, a really good visit. It It was great to see them, especially to see mom. She's been working real hard. Uh, with her rehab and is doing really well. There was a lot that needed to be done via phone when I got back, so that was that was tiring. And there's just, there's just been so much going on. Our weather has been back and forth, and that's been, ugh. It's just not fun in the winter, especially when you're trying to drive to go do prenatal visits for other moms, not for me. I haven't had any prenatal appointments for this pregnancy yet. But anyways, you know, it's just, it's been crazy and it's hard to be motivated. One thing I have been doing is a weekly pregnancy vlog. So you can check that out on Natural Birth and Baby Care's YouTube channel. I'll link to that in the show notes. Uh, I started that at five weeks and I've been doing pretty well at getting those up. So you can check those out. And my hope again is to get back to the podcast once a week, because like I said, I've had lots of requests, lots of really good topics, lots of things that I haven't covered yet, even though it's crazy to me that this is episode number 115. So hopefully we'll get to that. With that, uh, I guess that's enough of my exciting news. So we'll just jump into the topic for today, which is, it's, this is a thought provoking topic, which is, Again, this was requested by listeners. What are your children really saying? And this is usually in the context of our children begin to exhibit behavior that we don't care for. So either it's it's what we would term bad behavior, like hitting siblings or something like that, or it's clingy, whiny behavior, things that we just don't really like. And many of us as parents have this feeling that this behavior isn't the whole story. So what's the whole story? What's really going on with my child? I know that my child isn't a malicious child, so why are they hitting? Uh, I know that I take good care of my child, so why are they all of a sudden being very clingy? Those sorts of things and those sorts of questions. So we see a behavior or a group of behaviors, and that sends up warning flags in us as parents that there's something going on under the surface. And the first thing I'll say is, I don't know that I feel like a 100% expert on this. 
I have perspective on this simply because I have a wide range, a wide age range, but like I said on my Smart Mama Happy Baby call yesterday, I'm sure that I'll have even more perspective five years from now when one of my kids is 20, and then 10 years from now when I have a 25-year-old. You know, it'll just, it will be very different, and I will have learned a lot just by helping a child reach that age and then watching her, uh, I'm hoping, assuming from that point, um, take off and and reach the next stage, but knowing that the foundation that I gave is a very important foundation. But I feel like I can talk to this topic some with the perspective that I have with a 15-year-old on down to a 2-year-old and thankfully, blessedly expecting another one now, but that one doesn't give me too much trouble yet. So anyways, that I just, I do feel like I've got perspective, but I'm not an expert. I'm a parent just like you. Uh, I just happen to be a parent of many and a parent with many years of experience. And I guess the biggest thing that I want to say following that is that I feel like this whole question is a wonderful question to to be asked by a listener and also to contemplate in myself because ultimately what it means is that you as a parent want to be the expert on your child, which is as it should be in all honesty, Uh, and also because you really want to know your child's heart and you have a sense that there's something going on in that heart that you need to figure out. Okay, with all that, It can be really tough to figure out, okay, what's really going on with my child? I believe that this is one of those instances where if you're a praying parent, you often end up praying (laughs) because you're just asking, please give me some insight into what's going on in my child's heart. So if you're a praying parent, pray. If that doesn't resonate with you, then you know, the other suggestions probably will. But another good thing to do can be to go to a parent who's experienced uh, or who has a child who has a similar personality to your child and just ask them, did you have this situation come up with your child? What worked? Because oftentimes when we're seeing these behaviors that, that worry us for one reason or another, you know, we we realize that maybe the standard answer, whatever that is in your circle, may not work. But an experienced parent or somebody who's been through it may be able to give you suggestions that will work. Things that are effective because they've been through it and they know that this isn't always as it seems. They may not be able to. Sometimes what will work for one child doesn't work for another child. Because just because the outward behavior is similar doesn't mean that what is going on in the heart is similar. But those are a couple of things that you can do right away to try and get perspective. I also tend to like to look at books. Sometimes you feel like a book is limited, um, especially because, you know, if you're dealing with a particular behavior, is there a book on this particular behavior? But you can find books just in general dealing with children's behaviors or issues going on. And especially if there's something that feels like it resonates with you, you might look at that book. One thing that I found this a struggle, especially as a young parent, and a way that I have learned to look at these things has really helped me a lot to to be able to be really intentional and get to my children's hearts. And that's kind of what I want to spend the meat of the podcast on. This is, uh, I I was introduced, and I think that I've mentioned this 
Um, I've mentioned Charlotte Mason, who is an who was an educator uh, on the podcast before. I think when we were talking about homeschooling, because there are there's a homeschool kind of Charlotte Mason style homeschooling that's greatly influenced by Charlotte Mason, uh, but she like Maria Montessori and Rudolf Steiner and other um, peers throughout time who were writing about children and, and education for children and other issues going on there, you know, she had thoughts that went beyond just education, so to speak. You know, thoughts more, I, f- I find this a lot really in Montessori, which is Maria Montessori and Waldorf, which is Rudolf Steiner. You find a lot about kind of the inner life of the child and the development of the child and if you read some of it, it's really enlightening to read even now. For example, it, this is one of the things that we do in the Smart Mama Happy Baby Club. If you're interested in it, check it out at Smart Mama. That's M-A-M-A, SmartMamaHappyBaby.com. But one of the things that we do is is we've been doing book studies. So we did a book study um, Montessori on the Montessori method called Montessori from the Start, The Child at Home from Birth to Age 3. And now we're doing a book that's inspired by Charlotte Mason, uh, talking about like early years things. But one thing that's really interesting when you read about these educators or these parents or these people in the past is that they have lots of insights that really make sense today and are even scientifically validated today. Like uh, Maria Montessori talks about what we would call today the concept of flow, the state of flow, and also neurological programming essentially like not in a negative sense but basically if you teach a little one to do the same thing for example wash his or her hands over and over and over again uh, that that basically wires their little brain to know that this is how I wash my hands this is how I wash my hands and when we look at neurological research today these are things that are validated by the latest cutting-edge scientific research Uh, And so it's really cool to me to look at that. And that was a little bit of a digression. But coming back to that, like Charlotte Mason, she has a wealth of good information that goes beyond just education, just like Maria Montessori's state of flow and helping to create, you know, these neurological patterns. In fact, that kind of flows into what Charlotte Mason talks about, which is habits. And I find habits to be a really, really helpful lens with which to ask myself, what is my child trying to say to me because anytime we see a child demonstrating a repetitive behavior then that behavior has become a habitual way to deal with something a habitual way to do something there are a couple of reasons why I really like the the perspective of habits I guess kind of that paradigm looking at children's behavior and even my own behavior as an adult human behavior, looking at it through the paradigm of this is a habit. The first thing that's really good about it is that we know habits can be changed. This actually goes back to that neurological research that I was just talking about, which shows that even if the brain has learned a pattern for the way to do something, we can alter that pattern and change that pattern. So even if your child has learned to brush his or her teeth one way, If, for example, you learn another way to brush teeth, like maybe you've taught your child to brush their teeth just straight back and forth, and then you learn that maybe in little circles is a better idea, you can help your child rewire their brain and reestablish the habit. Think about if you were to walk, say, to work one way, 
Um, and then they make some improvement. Maybe they put a little bridge in or something so that you can take a scenic walk to work another way and get there in the same amount of time. It doesn't take very long to reprogram your brain and your routine to take the new way. So habits, our habits can and do change. Uh, this is, again, it's applicable to adults. If we have bad habits with food or something like that, then we can retrain our brain to establish new habits. Sometimes it's really hard to let go of old habits, but we can change habits. And if we look at all of our behaviors as through the lens of a habit, we know that we can change it. So that's one of the reasons why I really like this lens or this paradigm of a habit. Another reason why I really like it gets back to what we're talking about with this podcast, which is looking at our child's behaviors or looking at their habits for handling something and trying to get to the heart of what's really going on. Sometimes the answer isn't obvious. And so that's when we really want to look at it. We look at it. What is this habit that my child has gotten into? Maybe they're being really clingy or again, they're hitting brother or sister. How is my, or what habit is this? So really sit down and analyze the behavior. Like if it drives you nuts, for example, my little kids, um, Scott makes my breakfast right now. God bless him. Uh, so that it's a little bit easier for me to make sure that I eat breakfast in the morning and, and eat good things for the baby. So he brings it to me at my desk in the morning so I don't have to go into the kitchen or anything. Um, and so my little ones have usually eaten their breakfast by that point. And so they have a habit of coming over and staring at me while I eat my breakfast. This is not a habit that I like. In fact, it drives me nuts. So most of the time when our children are exhibiting a behavior, it either drives you nuts or it distresses you or whatever. So you are going to look at that habit and say, okay, how do I change the habit? I don't want to snap at my child, but what do I need to do to address this habit? So using the example of my little one staring at me while I'm eating, well, the obvious question to ask is, are they starving? Are they well fed? <laughs> so I know that my children have just eaten a very adequate breakfast. It's been a very filling and nutritional breakfast. Uh, and often they've gotten seconds because they are bottomless pits. So we, we, we do um, overnight oatmeal, soaks overnight, and then the rice cooker automatically cooks it the next morning. So it's hot and ready. And then Cassidy usually serves it out. So it's a rich, filling breakfast. Very nutritious. She dresses it up a little bit so it's interesting. And so they have had a good breakfast. So I can take and say, that's not it. All right? That's not the problem. <laughs> so that would be the obvious thing. And then the next thing to ask is, you know, are they just begging? Which is generally the, you know, that's the thing is they, they are bottomless pits. They want to continue eating. There is no unmet, unmet need here. So my next question is, okay, what am I going to do to change this habit? Because yelling at them to scram is probably not the best thing to do. And they're little kids, so sitting down and lecturing them about how annoying mama finds it to be stared at when she eats is probably not the best thing. So something else to do would be to establish a habit of, okay, this is when another sibling's going to read a story to you. That's one thing that comes to mind. That's not really a possibility for us because usually by that point the older kids are outside doing animal chores or that kind of thing. 
Another thing, this is something that I often do that tends to work really well, um, is that I need to give them some attention and some verbal direction. So now is a good time to do something like pick up the din, which incredibly, right after breakfast, often needs to be picked up. So I basically am redirecting and distracting them into doing something else. Uh, if I really wanted to work on changing this habit, I would probably pick something every single time. Like this is now going to be your time to sit on the couch and read a book. And so every time mama was eating something at her desk, breakfast or a snack or something, I would put that child on the couch to read a book or to page through a book in this instance, because we're talking about little children. So, you know, it's just something to do every time, but I need to look around at all sides of the equation, so to speak, and say what's going on with my kids, with the most obvious being, are they well fed in this instance? For another thing, like your child is all of a sudden being really clingy, why are they clinging to me? Then you would look at other things as, you were, as you're looking at that, at that habit. So you would ask yourself, you know, do they have something going on? Or have I changed something? That would probably be the first thing that I would look at is have I changed something? So I was careful to make sure that I spent time one-on-one -on -one with this child and then such and such a thing has happened so that I'm not able to spend as much time with the child. That time keeps slipping by every day with some excuse or another and it's not happening. That might be something obvious. And so you would consciously change that to help address the root cause of that. Or it might be something else. For example, a new sibling has come into the picture and so my child is clingy. Or it could be another thing going on. The child has started school or nursery school or preschool. Something else has changed. Um, some change has happened in the home. A job change or some other stressor has come in. Sometimes developmentally, children make a leap and then they need to kind of backtrack a little bit. So look at all those things. Has there been some sort of significant change that would spur this? And sometimes significant may be insignificant to you, but it really is overall something quite significant for a child or something that you wouldn't really have considered. For example, like a parent's schedule changing slightly with the job change. Maybe you wouldn't think it would have had that impact, but it does. So those are things to look at, looking at all sides of it. And then asking yourself, how do I address it? So it's driving me crazy that everywhere I go, I feel like there's literally a child stuck to my foot, hanging onto my leg. What are we going to do? And this is another place that I feel like looking at, at this is a habit that my child's gotten into and how do I address that can be really powerful because what we're n we don't want to simply remove the bad habit. You know, we don't simply want to extract the, tr the child from our leg and then go about our business and just tell them to be a big boy or a big girl, whatever. We want to replace the habit with something good. And this, I think, is often where you start to get to the heart of the matter because you need to think what is an appropriate thing to replace this with. So, um, anyways, the, uh, sorry, I got a text that distracted me for a minute there. But a, this is an example from the Charlotte Mason book that we're doing in Smart Mama Happy Baby that I thought was a really good example. Um, and this is, this is a great way to deal with like an older sibling is bullying a younger sibling, I think. 
So in this example that was given in the book, the little boy is kind of mean-spirited. So he's mean to his sisters and this, that, and the other. Uh, and, and, and it needs to, you know, he needs to change. So what the mom's goal is, is to make sure first she breaks that habit of meanness, of prank playing, of pulling pigtails and that sort of thing. So she keeps the child with her most of the time. And she makes it very positive. So the child is living in positive relationship with the mom. It's not like, you know, she's a jailer overseeing him in a negative light. Instead, she's looking very positively at this time and she's trying to make it a positive time so that for him, as that bad habit is being subverted, so to speak, which I know sounds kind of negative, but you know, as we're, di- as we're digging out the bad habit and getting rid of it, the child has positive impressions. But then she doesn't stop there because she knows that she needs to replace the bad habit with something good while under her watchful eye. Otherwise, the bad habit will simply recur in the future because the child hasn't replaced it with something. So what this savvy mom does is she gives the child, prompts the child, lots of opportunities to be sweet. So she has him think about things like, we're going to go to neighbor so-and-so's house, you know, to neighbor Smith's today. What can we do for neighbor Smith? And so the child might have an idea, you know, well, let's bake some cookies for neighbor Smith, or maybe we can gather some flowers on the way. You know, so the child's mind is being occupied with creative things. I'm sure there are many ways you could think about this with a new baby. So you keep your toddler with you, first of all, so you can supervise and make sure that toddler isn't hurting the baby. But think about ways that you can make that positive. And I know it's sometimes exhausting. But how can you make that positive? So you have books and stories and that sort of thing. Think about ways when you need to put the, pop the baby in a baby carrier because you've got to get some things done around the house. You can't just sit on the couch and read stories. So we're going to think about ways, you know, okay, toddler, you can help me push clothes into the dryer. Thank you. You're such a great helper. Or you're going to hand me dishes to put in the dishwasher. Or I can remember with my with Cassidy when she was basically a toddler um, pulling a chair up beside the sink and letting her stand in the chair. I know they have like the learning tower and that sort of stuff now that's supposed to make it so that it doesn't feel quite as risky but in all honesty it was a sturdy chair and I didn't feel like it was that great of a risk. Um, You know so just she would um, she would rinse dishes for me as I washed them. I would rinse the sharp knives and things, but she rinsed the plates and the butter knives and the forks and the spoons and that sort of thing and learned to do a good job with it, even at a young age. And she was helpful to me. She would, when I was putting clothes up on the line, she would um, hand me clothes from the basket to put on the line when she was little. So you can think intentionally. This is I talk about this constantly in Smart Mama Happy Baby classes. We have like 30 classes. Uh, in the Smart Mama Happy Baby membership now, in addition to the book studies and the menus and everything. And one of the things that I say again and again and again in the classes is being really intentional with your kids and your parenting and the choices that you make. And this is one of those instances where you're going to need to sit down and do some thinking and, and be intentional, have some intentionality going on there. Um, And say, what are the things that I can think of to frame these positive experiences with my older child? So you created this positive experience just like the mom did with the little boy. 
But you also want to think about, okay, now how can I actively encourage a habit of love and goodwill between my kids? And this is this is one of the things that I really need to work on thinking of. For example, Corwin, our four-year-old, and Sadie, our two-year-old, don't really interact very well. I'm not sure why. Um, I, I've only had one other kid who really showed like sibling jealousy the way that Corwin did. And unfortunately, I just kind of let it go with him instead of actively addressing it. And I need to think about ways to actively address it. I did well this morning with Corwin, but I'm still working. It's a work in progress even for me. But so like this is an example that's even relevant for my life. But you want to create positive experiences, but then you also want to create uh, like a positive, positive thought process towards the sibling. So one thing that people commonly say when there's a new baby is, you know, can you help me get a diaper for the baby? So that would be one good thing. But think about other ways that your child can safely help you with the baby. Um, and then encourage your child to do that. Or do you want to do something for the baby? Do you want to do something sweet for the baby? And you know your baby's age, your baby's temperament, your toddler's age, your toddler's temperament. But chances are, if you sit down and think about it, you can pick my brain on a Smart Mama Happy Baby call, or you can, you know, talk to your mommy's groups and things. But think about different ways that you can encourage your toddler uh, to be sweet to a younger sibling or your preschooler, to be sweet to your toddler, or wherever you're having these relationship issues going on. <clears throat> so that really, again, you're getting to the heart of things. And while you're thinking about all this, you will have thought through every possibility. You will have said, is toddler acting out towards sister because toddler is not spending enough time with me? So one of the ways that you'll be remedying that is by creating this very inclusive environment where you're going about your day, but you're also interacting with your toddler. Notice that there's some reading on the couch. There might be playing together, but a lot of it is not is not revolving around your child because that's that's not really what what children want. They want to feel included. They want to feel part of daily life, but they don't necessarily want the world to revolve around them, nor should the world revolve around them because they're part of the family, but they want to feel like they are an included part of the family and they want to feel like their needs are being met in the family. So those are things that you can look at. And I know I've only given a couple of examples here, but really when you look at things through the lens of what's my child, what habit has my child gotten into? How am I going to stop this habit? How am I going to replace this with a positive habit? That's going to help you. That gives you a framework basically to explore what's really going on with my child. Because if you say, okay, how am I going to get rid of this bad habit? You have to sit down and you have to think about why might my child be doing this? What could I use to replace this? And you also need to touch on all those other topics like, am I giving my child what he or she needs? Sometimes, especially with toddlers and younger siblings or preschoolers and younger siblings, they really want to help a younger sibling, but they don't know how to do that appropriately. Or they don't realize, for example, that rushing in and taking over the younger sibling's play is not looked upon kindly by the younger sibling. So then, again, you're looking at this, how is my child acting? How do I want to stop that? And what do I want to replace that with? There are many life lessons that often come up on in this. Sometimes it's, we need to step back and we need to give somebody space, even if we love them. 
give them space to play. And that can be a valuable lesson to teach and, and a thing to learn is, is let her figure this out and watch for another time. Or maybe you can come and enjoy time with mama when little sister is engaged with her blocks or whatever. So there are different ways to think through this and different ways to continue to make it a positive experience for your child um, while channeling through, channeling through, you know, and making sure that you're getting them to to act in a way that's appropriate and while you're trying to help guide them. So sometimes, again, you know, there's that, oh, well, I, I'm, I'm wanting to help, but I'm not helping in an appropriate way. So you may help them learn to help in an appropriate way or learn to step back. And then they don't end up being frustrated by learning to step back, perhaps because you step in and say, well, come help me uh, stir this or come help me mix the salad or something like that. So it's positive for them to learn and it's positive for little brother or little sister who gets to play with the blocks in peace, if all of that makes sense. So really look for things. Look at the insights that you get when you start thinking about, don't just sit here and go, okay, my child has this behavior and I don't know why they have this behavior and I don't know if I'm a horrible parent. I don't know if I'm not giving them what they need. Instead, ask yourself, how do I how do I change this behavior? How do I change this habit? How do I stop the habit which is bad and is obviously causing me distress? Um, and then, and I don't know, maybe sometimes you might look at a particular habit and go, well, it causes me distress, but it's not a bad habit. But often we as parents have intuition that this is not a good thing for my kid to be doing. So you would look at that and say, okay, how do I change this and what do I replace it with? And it's when you're really asking yourself those questions that you start to get insight into it. Or it could be that you try something, it's just not working. And so you realize, okay, I'm approaching this the wrong way. There's obviously something else that's going on here. And I need to figure that out so that I can figure out how to redirect this um, and how to uh, establish a better habit. So those are just things to think of. And I'm mostly talking about little children here. But these can be applicable even to older kids. It's helpful to me to think about habits with my older kids too because it helps give me hope that even their really bad habits can be changed. The key with older kids is that there's a little bit more discussion needs to happen. Sometimes I think discussion sounds kind of like, you know, in Charlie Brown, wah, 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 wah. You know, how they just thought the adults were doing that. So I think sometimes even with older kids, they think that same thing. Though I, I joke with my kids that if they think that's what adults say, then I think that all they say is wine, 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 wine. Because that's what everything that they're carrying on about sounds like to me. Um, but anyways, that's just a little bit of good natured kind of coming right back at you. But I do think that they often think we're just rambling on. But at the same time, I feel like they deserve an explanation because they're older. And so we might talk a little bit about it. Um, before we move on. But a big key is that when we're talking about older kids changing habits, um, they need, they have to be a big part of it. You can't guide them quite as easily or redirect them quite as easily as you can a younger child. For younger child's bad habits, redirection right when you see the behavior about to start can often work. And then replacing it with something positive over time under your watchful eye. Again, with older children, uh, it's often very different. They have to really be on board, but you can try and work on giving reminders and things like that. So all of these are topics that 
I mean, this is kind of a deep topic. It's We're really talking about conscious and intentional parenting here. Parenting is a joy, but it's not easy. And this is one of those topics that's hard to talk about because it's really hard to sugarcoat it. And it's not like one of those topics where I can really get all fired up. Like I can get all fired up on the birth podcasts or the podcasts where I'm talking about interventions and stuff where I just really feel passionately. I feel super passionately about this, but I also feel like a lot of people are like, well, man, that sounds like work. And yeah, yeah, it's a lot of work to be a a good parent, but I feel like all of us can do it. I feel like I've learned so much even in the last year um, with parenting that I didn't know before, and I've become a much better parent. And one of the reasons is, um, is because of Smart Mama Happy Baby has forced me to continue my continuing education as a parent so that I can, you know, so that I can do that. But it's just, it's not always easy. But I want to encourage you that it's always worth it. And especially being really intentional, conscious, introspective about it. Also realizing that sometimes I'm going to make a mistake. Sometimes I'm going to get it wrong. Sometimes I'm going to have to go back and say, you know, I did this wrong. And sometimes I'm going to have to apologize with little kids and especially with older kids. Sometimes I'm going to have to tell them, look, I'm human. I mess up too. I know you're going to mess up, but I'm still the parent. And it's my job to help guide you, especially with older kids. Not so much with little kids. You don't tell them that. You might just say, you know, mommy's sorry she got mad or whatever. But again, it's just, it's it's continuing education for you too. But it's a blessing and it's a really, really good place to be. Okay, so with that, I have mentioned Smart Mama Happy Baby a couple of times. That's our um, our membership club, basically. Uh, we have a book study. We've been, we do the book study every week. All the book studies are archived. I still have people going back through the Montessori book study right now, which was, that was kind of our inaugural book study. And then, like I said, we're doing the Charlotte Mason books right now. I think we're going to tackle a Waldorf-style book after this. So the book studies are a lot of fun. Uh, We go through those. I kind of, we usually do a chapter or two every week. We talk through the chapter. I give my insights on it. If anybody has questions or anything that comes up, they can ask or discussion. We do that. That's a lot of fun. We also have an open Q&A every week where you can ask your questions. They don't have to relate to the book study. They don't have to relate to the live classes. It's just what's going on in my life with my kid, my pregnancy, my kids, my newborn, my kids, my whatever. You know, they can be about anything. So we talk about those. And then we do a live class, you know, two or three times a month that's focused on a real specific topic. And, um, and those classes are always archived in the Smart Mama Baby membership area. Like I said, we've got more than 30 of them right now. And then we have a, a year's worth of menus. So if you can't decide what to cook for dinner tonight, you can check out our menus. They're weekly menus, seasonally done. So you can pick what's appropriate for the season. There's recipes. There's uh, um, So the menu plan, the recipe, and the shopping lists are all in there ready to go for you. Uh, so yeah, it's a great place to be. I really feel like it's of benefit to any family, especially we have a focus on uh, if you're pregnant and parenting or if you've got young children, babies, toddlers, preschoolers. That's the age range that we're looking at, but you end up getting a lot of insight about older kids too, just because I'm raising up all those little ones with big ones around. So it's a great experience. I feel like it's enriching for every family. Uh, I love the back and forth that we get, especially when we get questions and things. It's a lot of fun. We talk about 
about everything, you know, from pregnancy, birth babies, ECing to preschool choices. So there's a lot going on in there. You can check that out at smartmamahappybaby.com. That's smartmama, M-A-M-A, happybaby.com. With that, I think that I will probably talk to you next week, and I hope that you have a blessed week. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.